Excellent job. And it's her birthday tomorrow. So if you see her, wish her happy birthday. So uh, really glad that you're here. Uh, welcome to Element City Church. If you snuck in kind of in the middle there and you're new, uh, my name is Jack. I'm one of the pastors here. And I also wanted to just take a moment and thank Brian, the other pastor, and his team, Phil and Christina. And just, isn't it cool how they just did all this stuff and made a whole new set and all that kind of stuff? And I don't, that's just Mick. Thank you, Mick, for doing all that stuff. Um, I was told that we have the largest, heaviest pallet Christmas tree this side of the Mississippi. And uh, I was also told that if it starts to fall forward, it will hit the spot. So I need you to tell me left or right, okay? So that's what I was informed. Anyway, but uh, glad you're here. And uh, raise your hand if you've ever been interrupted before. Interruptions are a part of life, aren't they? Sometimes they're challenging Sometimes they're good. Interruptions just happen to happen in our life, no matter what's going on. Maybe it's just this interruption. Maybe you've had difficult ones where it's an interruption of a phone call that you weren't expecting, the news that you're getting. Maybe it's the interruption of what you thought was happening, this plan. Maybe it was just an inconvenience. Like, I remember being in Indiana a few years ago, and it's about 11.45 at night, and I'm getting tucked in, got a conference all day, the next day type thing, and the fire alarm goes off. Now, if you've ever been, anyone ever been in a hotel when the fire alarm goes off, right? That is a weird feeling. Not only just because the fire alarm, but you really are disoriented, because you don't know where you are, and then you run to the door, and what do you do? You look at that little that cheat sheet that they put by the door, right? And you look for the red arrow. I'm, okay, I'm here. I'm here. And then you're like trying to figure out, okay, two lefts, one right, got. And then you're running down into the, and we got down there, and it's outside. And the weird part is I'm from Tucson, and everyone else is not from there. And they're all from around that area, and it's in the winter. And I get outside, and I'm in my shorts and a t-shirt and flip-flops, and it's like 20 degrees outside. Everyone else is just like, who's the idiot? You know, just like, hi, I'm the idiot. Um, so eventually firemen are walking all around. They false alarm. So I just wanted to hurt that person. Um, and then I prayed for him. But so it, it's interruptions happen as a part of life. And maybe you've had more difficult ones than ones that just aren't a mere inconvenience, but maybe ones that really begin to challenge you in life, that your life was on this trajectory and then all of a sudden it gets interrupted and you don't know quite know where it's at or quite where it's happening. Maybe um, you've faced really difficult interruptions. There's a flip side to interruptions too, isn't there? There's a good side to it. Anyone ever been interrupted by someone calling and saying, hey, I got extra tickets to that game? <laughs> yes, it's the best kind of interruption, Right. Or you get that email at work, and it's like, hey, there's snacks in the, in the break room, and it's not fruit. It's like real dessert, and so like everyone's running uh, to that. Maybe you know, interrupted at, at college, and your professor's like, you know, remember that final we were going to take? Well, we're not going to take it. That's an awesome interruption, right? May that happen to all of our college students that are here. Interruptions can be amazing things. They can also be challenging things. So maybe there's good interruptions and there's difficult interruptions and then maybe there's God interruptions. And that's where I want us to start tonight as we begin to dive into this Christmas series, looking at maybe some of these God uh, interruptions. And here's the big idea for tonight, real simple, kind of the bottom line. 
God's interruptions are his divinely timed interventions. I want you to kind of wrestle with that a little bit tonight. That God's interruptions, as you begin to look throughout the scripture, and maybe as you begin to look back over the landscape of your life, God's interruptions are always his divine interventions into our lives. They are. And maybe they're challenging at first, but they are interventions nonetheless. In fact, that's why we remember. It's why we celebrate Christmas. Christmas is the ultimate interruption into humanity. And it's God's intervention on our behalf that we needed it. In Christmas and through Christmas, God broke the silence and he begins announcing again, my presence is here. I'm a with you kind of God. And we needed that because we'd spent so much of our own energy and human and the humanity and the journey of humanity trying to maybe make our way toward God, trying to figure that all out. How do you get to a God who's holy, who's set apart? How do you work your way to him? And what you have to understand is that the very first Christmas, I want us to kind of go back to that and see this as this divine interruption, this divine intervention of God interrupting the human story and beginning to put something on display and call us and challenge us to some things that maybe might help uh, you this season, that might help you unpack, man, how have I seen God's divine interventions And I saw them as interruptions, but they were really his interventions in my life. And I wish that for you, that maybe on this journey of this season, that you begin to see that on on display as you look back over your life. What's interesting is in order to really fully understand the Christmas story, now we know the Christmas story is recorded in the four Gospels, really in the two Gospels, in the Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of Matthew, we get the most detail about the beginning of that Christmas story, the, the original Okay, a lot of Christmas movies out there, you'll see different things. But the original Christmas story, the coming of Jesus Christ, we see in Luke chapter one and two and in Matthew chapter one. And what's fascinating when you begin to understand this, in fact, if you have your Bibles, go to Matthew chapter one. And in Matthew chapter one, it starts with this whole genealogy. We kind of look at that and go, that's a bunch of names and boring But you have to understand the genealogy is tracing back to Adam, tracing back to David, tracing back to Abraham, tracing back and saying, okay, this this is the Messiah. He's from the same lineage, okay? But what I want you to see before that is go back two pages. Here's Malachi chapter 4. And here's what we know. To understand the Christmas story, what we sing about Silent Night and the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we have to put in the context of over 400 years of silent nights prior to that. In fact, in Malachi chapter 4, two pages, okay? In your Bible, two pages in my Bible. From Malachi chapter 4 to Matthew chapter 1, this represents about 400, 450 years. And God's silence... Now, that can be intimidating, that can be depressing, or that can be somewhat encouraging. Maybe God's up to something in these 400 years of silent nights that led to that first silent night that we sing about. What's interesting is sometimes I'll come around the corner at my house and I'll see my kids playing 
And I'll just stop. And I'll just watch. And I just enjoy, and I think about how their brain is working, and I pray for them, and I'll just think about stuff, and maybe I'll interject, maybe I won't. But see, often they don't know I'm there. I'm kind of behind the scenes. I haven't broken in, but I'm very active and I'm very present. I'm just not seen. And here's what you have to know. In these 400 plus years, God's at work behind the scenes. And even though he's silent, he's not absent. And I think sometimes in your life and in my life, when we feel like God is silent, we just automatically begin to say he's absent. He's not there. Something's happened. And I want you to know that God's silence does not equal his absence. God's silence does not mean that he's absent and checked out and distant and gone. God is very much dialed in. And much like creation's story, when you begin to read through Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1, it's like in these 400 years, God inhaled was working behind the scenes, and then that very first silent night, it's like God exhaled. And here's the start of a whole new way to experience life with him. And he put it in motion, and he set some things in motion that intervened and were a divine interruption into the human story. And that's what I want us to begin to look at tonight. In fact, I want you to see it from a couple different people's angles or from their vantage points. And I want you to kind of put yourself in their spot because it's so easy on this side of the Christmas story to go, ah, that was good. But you have to see it on the other side of the original Christmas story. And that interruption of God showing up may not have felt really good in the moment that they were in. You follow me? The two main people, Mary and Joseph. And if we just look at their stories and begin to see things unfold a little bit from their point of view that first Christmas, you'll begin to see that this is a huge interruption into their life. But what do we know? What are we thinking about? God's interruptions are his divinely timed interventions in life. And so if you look back at uh, Luke chapter 1, you'll see toward the tail end here, Mary's story. And can I just read a little bit of it starting in verse uh, 26? This is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancies. Now she's pregnant with John the Baptist type thing. God sent angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town of Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. This goes all the way back to the lineage that you read about in Matthew chapter 1. Not just a bunch of names, they're important names. The virgin name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Yahweh is with you. Mary was greatly what? Troubled. I've never had an angel visit me, okay? I'm assuming if one showed up with a message from the Lord, I too would be a little thrown off by that. I'm assuming you would be too. Greetings, you who are highly favored. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Usually, this didn't go well for people. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. 
It's fascinating how many times you read through the Bible, and usually the first sentence out of an angel's mouth after their greeting is, do not be afraid, because people are afraid, okay? So, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, you have found favor with God, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give uh, his throne to his father David, or yeah, give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. How will this be? That is a fair question to ask from Mary's perspective, since I'm a virgin. Hmm. Seems like there's some biological differences here and some understanding, like I know where, how things happen, and uh, this seems a little odd. Put yourself in Mary's spot. She's 13 to 16 years old. She's pledged to be married. Now, here's what I know. I've done probably about 70-plus weddings. Um, And here's what I know about weddings, okay? I know the bride, 99% of the brides. You have planned your wedding day for years, okay? You doodled in middle school and in high school on folders. You may have a folder of stuff. You may have a box or a trunk of stuff that you have saved. Now, you new ones, you were thinking about getting married, you've turned to Pinterest now, and that has been a game changer for you. So, like, you have your own folders on there. Anyone with me? Okay. So, like, what I know about 99% of the brides is they have planned out their day. Mary has planned out her day. It's coming. And then she's interrupted. Do you think this may change the Pinterest stuff that she's put together. Really, think about it. You know, for Mary, she's probably thought through her wedding day. And all of a sudden, that's gone. And I don't know if we've ever thought about it that way. Because on this side of Christmas, we see this interruption as a good interruption. But I'm wondering if maybe in the original Christmas story, this was a difficult one. This was a tough one. Just from Mary's perspective, think of it from her point of view. And yeah, she embraces this, and yes, she says yes to this, and she moves forward in faith, and this is an amazing thing. But in those early moments, this had to be a challenge, right? And then think about it from Joseph's point of view. So you turn to Matthew chapter 1, and I don't have all the scriptures up there, but I'm going to read this. In fact, I want to read the whole context because I want you to kind of feel and sense what's going on. Because somewhere along the way, um, I'm assuming Mary has come to Joseph at this point and said, Hey, I have good news, and I have news. Good news is we're going to get married still. That's awesome. The news is things have changed, and... I had an angel visit, and uh, I'm pregnant. Ta-da! Well, think about it from Joseph's point of view. He hasn't had an angelic visit yet. Think about hearing that news. Uh, what? You're what? Now, for Joseph, what you have to understand from all that lineage that you read in Matthew chapter 1 that usually you skip over because it seems boring, is Joseph comes from a line of men who have pursued righteousness at great cost, who have done everything they know as a Jewish man growing up to be righteous before God. 
to be right before God. And so to hear news like this, this is not a good interruption from Joseph's point of view, is it? In fact, this is a very tainted thing that he's now staring in the face, right? And here's what we begin to see. This is uh, Joseph's kind of story. I'll read it to you. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet he did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. He's trying to do the right thing. He's going to let her go quietly. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what's conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, speaking back to Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, and he took Mary home as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she had given birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph, I've got news, and I've got some news. Imagine him hearing that for the very first time. Now, you may be here, and maybe you're not a, a person who goes to church a whole lot, and, and maybe you haven't grown up around that, and you kind of hear about this, okay, this virgin birth story, and you're like, well, I kind of question that. Maybe you have some hesitation to that, and, and that's fair. You're allowed to hesitate on that, because that does seem a little off. What you have to understand is, w- without going into great detail, uh, if, if God is the author of life, and Psalm 139 says he is, I think he can figure this out, okay? He's the one that kind of put this all thing in motion. He's got this covered. What you have to understand is this is not a myth that's been made up over the years. In fact, every gospel writer, every early church writer, in fact, the, early, uh, the, the Apostles' Creed is probably one of the earliest creeds we have, acknowledges this reality in the Christian story. And so we have nothing to be fearful of. We can actually put a lot of assurance that this wasn't a story that kind of grew out of a myth, so to speak, down the road. As many other Greek stories and other stories have grown out of that. Every author acknowledges this, and that gives credence to that. And what you have to understand from Joseph's point of view is that this is strange. This is different. This is new. This is an interruption, isn't it? I mean, he's got plans, maybe not as many Pinterest pages as Mary has for the wedding day, but he's got ideas. He's got thoughts of how this is going to go and how it's going to play out and how it's going to be perceived in the community that he's invested in. All of a sudden, this story, you have to understand, this story changes everything. This is an interruption for Joseph, so much so that he says, I don't know if I can even go through with it. I, I can't buy it. I, I just don't know. And he, he actually does an honorable thing, trying to divorce uh, probably between two or three witnesses. What would have happened in the Jewish custom is she would have gone before the whole town and they would have told this story and she would have been shunned and thrown out because there's obviously only one way that this can happen, true? And so that's what would have happened. But Joseph doesn't want to put her to that disgrace. And so he's got this little plan on the side, and then an angel shows up for him. He says, Joseph, I know this is an interruption, 
But this is God's intervention into the human story. And I need you to go with me on it. And Joseph, probably after taking a long walk, says, okay. See, what we see in the Christmas story on this side is a really good interruption in the human story. I don't know if it really felt that way those first few moments. I think it had to be a stretch. And here's the beauty of that. That's going to be the reality in your life. That is the reality in my life, too. That godly interruptions are his divine interventions. And they don't always feel good, do they? They don't always feel wonderful, do they? They don't always make sense, do they? But when you look back, you kind of look back and maybe you've seen places in your life where his, this interruption kind of either steered you away from a direction you were going or it put you onto a different path. And you can look back now and you can see God's activity. Even though he may have been silent in the moment, he was fully present and he was intervening in your life and in my life at times. And we acknowledge that and we can see it now even when we didn't necessarily see it in the moment we're in. What's interesting throughout this whole story for Joseph is this wrestling match that had to have gone on for him. If you just put yourself in, in that spot. What's interesting, you read uh, some commentators, and they write about this, the incarnation. Incarnation is the coming of Christ and the virgin birth and, and how, um, how scandalous that would have been in that moment of history. That's not a simple story. There's no fanfare to the story outside of the angel's visit on that silent night singing songs. There's not a fanfare. This is not how a, what a, a person would have said, hey, the savior of the world would have, wouldn't have announced their coming like Jesus' coming gets announced, Right? It would have had spotlights to it. It would have had fanfare. There was social media everywhere. There was none of that. It's shepherds, and it's animals, and it's a manger, and it's a cave, and it's just so radically different. And it's to a young man and woman who, who in a lot of ways were probably seen as unrighteous. People were probably looking at their life going, man, they, they messed up somewhere. Their story's broken somehow, right? That's how they would have seen this. But yet God is at work through this. God's at work the whole way. His interruption is his divinely timed interventions. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. That's not what the Jewish people were thinking was going to happen. We want a Savior who will come and save us from the oppression that we're under. Not the oppression we put on ourselves by the mistakes we've made. And yet God, in his interruption, in his divinely timed intervention, says, you don't need me to get rid of the oppression. You need me to get rid of the thing that's inside you that you can't ever get rid of on your own. And I've come for that first. That's the announcement of Jesus. He will be Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's not a God who is slightly interested in us, who's intrigued by us, who stands at a distance and says, ah, do it again. He's a God who's with us. C.S. Lewis uh, writes, 
uh, a beautiful analogy in his book, Miracles. He writes these words, thinking of a, a pearl diver and how they dive for pearls and the treasures that they are. It says, taking a breath, this diver is gone with a splash, vanishing, rushing down through green and warm water into the black and the cold water, down through increasing pressure into the region of the ooze and slime and old decay, and then up again, back to the color and light, his lungs almost bursting, till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding in his hand the dripping precious thing that he went down to recover. That is a picture of the Incarnation. Jesus giving up so much to dive down for the treasure that is you and the treasure that is me, that we don't even see ourselves as that sometimes. Yet Jesus says you're worth diving in for. And I'm going to be a God who's with you. See, a nice, decent God would probably send you some help. Maybe an angel with a message. Maybe a text with some words on it. A track for you to follow. And God gave us those. But he gave us much more than those, didn't he? It wasn't a map for us to figure out everything on our own. It was himself to say, this, I've come for you. This is how you live. This is how you pursue me. This is how you live this life. See, the God of the scripture goes radically beyond all of those things. And he sends not just his angel and not just a sacred text, but him, his very self. In fact, this Emmanuel word, Literally, when you translate it out, it means a with us God, a with us kind of God. That it's this beautiful proclamation over you and over me and what we can enjoy this Christmas is that God is with us in the midst of everything we face. He's declaring, I'm with you. There is hope. There is a truth. There is a way that you can experience life with me. I'm with you in the mess. And yes, sometimes my interruptions are going to be there. But my interruptions are always an intervention into your life. And you may not recognize it. You may not even like it in the moment. But it's what you need. Because I'm a God who's with you. And I'm concerned more with what you need than what you want. Because that's what a with you God kind of does, doesn't he? I'm concerned with what you need. And so interventions are reality that we need in life. The truth is we needed his intervention. And this miraculous interruption of Christmas, that's why this Christmas story is so powerful, because we needed it. I was, uh, got a phone call a few years back, and uh, one I never thought I would get, and haven't had one since. Uh, it's from a family that, had watched their son get caught in the web of drugs uh, quite a bit. And I had known that they were struggling with this and that there was kind of that roller coaster of emotions. If you've ever had family members that would struggle with that or you yourself, you know that ride uh, of the time that you feel like you got it licked and the time it just kicks your butt again, right? And that string of addiction and how it just pulls you along. And, and this family had watched their son struggle with that. And, and they gave me a call and said, we're, we're going to try something. He's six months away from turning 18, and he can be in charge then. And uh, we're going to do something we never thought we would do. And, and they took uh, a mortgage out on their house, and they said, uh, meet us at this place. And I remember meeting them, getting in the back of their car, and they pulled up to Pima Community College where he was taking some classes. And I remember the back door opening, and I remember him stepping in 
and just looking at me. A, I'd never been there before. And I remember the ride from Pima West, or uh, Pima Northwest, actually, to the Tucson International Airport. Much of what I cannot repeat. And I remember the anger, and I remember the resentment, and I remember the verbal lashing, and I remember the silence. I remember sitting in the Tucson International Airport eating lunch, talking, trying to listen. I remember walking to the, toward the gate and watching him get on a plane, knowing that for the next six months he was going to be in this detox place in Georgia. And uh, his parents were going to be able to visit three times. I also remember, fast forward a little bit, and I remember seeing the letters that they were exchanging. I remember seeing uh, him coming back. And I remember seeing the picture of he and his dad standing as he graduated culinary school a few years later. And I remember just stopping, looking at Facebook, stalking, call it whatever you want. But I remember just thanking God for that interruption in that young man's life that was an intervention that he didn't like, that he didn't want, but that he needed. And it changed everything for him. I remember talking to his sister a couple weeks ago and uh, saying, I want like, to share the story. I'll keep names out. I just Tell me your perspective. She was much younger and she was sharing how that intervention um, wasn't just for her brother. It was really for the whole family. It changed the family dynamics. It changed how people communicated. It changed what really mattered in life. And they have a vibrant relationship in their family. I celebrate that. And I celebrate what God is doing in their life. Because here's the truth. Every single one of us, we will have interruptions. Some will be good. Some will be difficult. And I pray this for you. I pray that you would have many God interruptions in your life. Because here's what I know. Every God interruption is a divine intervention in your life. And it's what you need in the moment. And as you embrace that, as you lean into it and not run from it, it can change you for the better. And it can pull you on the path that God has for you. And your human story can be changed. So here's my question for you tonight, for you to wrestle with this week. How has God interrupted your life? How have you seen him intervene in your life? How did he intervene, maybe in a, in a path that you are tracking and you are moving down this way, and all of a sudden some interruption happened in life and you couldn't really put your finger on it? until now you look back a few years and you go, maybe, maybe that was God. Maybe he was actually more active behind the scenes. And what I always took as silence was actually his very presence, very active in my life. And I didn't even recognize it. And my whole life was going this way. And all of a sudden he interrupted. And my life is different now because and it's better now. How has he interrupted? Maybe through a health scare that you went through. Maybe through a, a, a life change that you went through where his presence just got announced and you knew that he was comforting you and that you weren't alone in that journey that you were on. How have you seen God interrupt 
your life. And here's the, the prayer for you this week. And so I just want to challenge you. Take 10 minutes this week and say, God, I want to thank you for that interruption. See, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. This was the giant interruption of Christmas. That's really what it is. Let's call it what it is. It's a giant interruption in the human story. Your story and mine included in that. And we are grateful that God did. Because the silence could have continued, right? But it didn't. He interrupted. He intervened. And it changed everything to declare, I'm a God who's with you. I'm a with you kind of God. And I'm going to interrupt your life at times. And I'm going to intervene. But it's for your good. And it's for your betterment. And it's for you to become more of what I dream and desire for you to be. And so the challenge this week is take 10 minutes and just think back over the landscape of your life. How have you seen God interrupt you? How have you seen God intervene? Friends, really, that's what we remember in communion. We're going to move uh, to a time of celebrating that and invite the worship team to come back up. And as we move toward that, maybe I want to give you some space just to think for your life. How has God interrupted you? See, in communion, that's what we remember. is that that baby didn't stay just a baby. He grew up. And he intervened on your behalf and on my behalf. You will give him the name what? Jesus. Because he will save the people from their sins. Their brokenness, their shame, their heartache, the brokenness of their lives can be fixed through him and in him. And so we remember as we take that cup and we drink and remember that it was his blood that was shed on the cross for you, for me. That it was his body given up for you, for me. And we remember that he interrupted your life when maybe you weren't looking for it, but he did. And you're grateful for it because it was an intervention that you needed. And so, Father, I pray that as we journey through this Christmas season, you'd help us become aware of the many times that you interrupt us, the many times that you intervene on our behalf. God, some we're even clueless to. We don't even see it. Maybe it's months or weeks or years down the road that we finally look back and realize, man, that was you. You were active behind the scenes. Father, this week, would you stir our hearts to recognize some of the ways that you've intervened, maybe the people you put across our path at just the right moment that we didn't even recognize in the moment we're in, but you put them there because it changed the trajectory of our life. It changed the path we were on and we needed it to. You intervened, you interrupted. And fathers, we remember this Christmas that you interrupted the human story because you intervened. You are a with us kind of God. As we remember in communion, as we worship you now, would you stir our hearts to reflect on that and then to be used and be useful for you. That you might use us to maybe intervene on others' behalf just as you used others to intervene on our behalf. So Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we remember you.